1: How oh.
2: Listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. You're listening to a clip of Guideline from Akron's Zach Friedhoff. Zach is our featured musical artist this week, so we know that you're going to want to stick around to the end of the podcast so we can tell you more about him and let you listen to that entire song. But right now, let's stoke that fire, campers. It's time for a new mystery. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with me is our storyteller and researcher, Paula Schleiss, an award-winning journalist who spent some 30 years telling these kinds of stories for the Beacon Journal.
0: Hi, everybody. Well, it's October again, a month that is perfect for some campfire stories. Oh,
2: did you find us a headless horseman or maybe some babies crying under a bridge? Ah, the classics.
0: Nope, I'm not playing the golden oldies. Those fanciful legends passed on from generation to generation. Tonight, I have for you some stories that were reported in Ohio newspapers.
2: Oh, okay. Nothing spookier than a campfire story that is actually true.
0: Indeed. Although, as to the truth of these stories, each listener will have to decide. I can only tell you they were reported as seriously as any other news of the day. And the one thing they have in common, they all involve... A Haunting Encounter with a Mysterious Stranger.
2: All right, my favorite kind of camp story.
0: I'm mostly going to read to you these stories as they were written. They really don't need much embellishment. But Steve, how about a little music to set the atmosphere between each of our chapters?
2: All right, here it is. You got it.
0: First up, this article about Bell Center in Logan County. It starts with the appearance of a mischievous gnome, and then it gets crazy. The Cincinnati Enquirer shared it with their readers on July 24, 1880. About three miles northwest of town, there is a farm known as the Zoller Place, one of the oldest in the state, and owned by the heirs, one of whom occupies it. On last Friday afternoon, the folks went blackberrying and two of the children went to a picnic nearby. About five o'clock, the children returned and they say as they came into the yard, a man of small stature, bow-legged and very ragged, came out of the kitchen, walked past them, opened the garden gate and went in. He then jumped over the picket fence into the barnyard and and disappeared into the barn. The children, becoming frightened at his strange actions, went to a neighbor's house about a half mile distant and then returned home in the evening. When their parents returned, they related their story. Mr. Zoller tracked the man through the garden and barnyard by noticing three large-headed nails in the impression of his boot heel. At the barn, all traces were lost. Now comes the mystery. Mrs. Zoller went to the barnyard to milk and suddenly corn cobs commenced falling near like someone was throwing them at her. Mr. Zoller was standing nearby but didn't notice them. She asked him if he saw that. He answered no. Just then, a large one hit near him, but he could not see where it came from. During Saturday, the children were hit with corn cobs, pieces of bark, and small stones every time they attempted to go into the barnyard. Two of the family, one a boy of seven and the other a young lady of 18, seemed to attract the most. When they came near, the missiles were sure to fly. The boy especially was hurt about the face with small stones. One of the neighbors coming to witness the shower, was hit in the back by a wooden pin that had been used to fasten a large gate. A trace chain that had been plowed up and was hung up on a corner of the corn crib near the barn also went sailing in the air in search of something to light on. Hundreds of people have been to see this sight since Saturday and all came away satisfied that they saw chips, small stones, and corn cobs falling near them, but unable to explain where they came from. One man says he saw corn cobs start from the ground and soar over his head and light on the ground with the least noise. Another one says he was standing near a chicken house, the door of which was open when some half dozen cobs came flying out. The house was searched, but nothing found. Some say the flying pieces are not noticed until they either strike them or fall on the ground nearby. The strangest thing is that they light as easy as a feather, no matter how large the article is. One man brought home a Piece of an old walnut rail about a foot long and two by four inches thick. He says he tried to aggravate the spirits and said in a loud voice, don't throw any more corn cobs, throw a club this time. Just then, this piece lit on his shoulder as easy as a feather and rolled to the ground. The whole neighborhood is excited and watches the barn from morning until night, trying not to believe it, but at the same time convinced that they saw something they know not what.
2: Well, that sounds like a lot of eyewitnesses to that one. From a scientific point of view, it's awfully hard to explain though.
0: Maybe some things just can't be explained, like this next story. Our second encounter happened in Taylorsville, that's a village in Highland County. It was outlined in a letter to the editor that was printed in the New York Herald, once a big newspaper that existed in the Big Apple for nearly a century. This letter was dated April fifth, 1873 and signed by W.A. Taylor of Zanesville, Ohio. It ran in the paper three days later. A most extraordinary phenomenon was observed near the village of Taylorsville, a few miles from this city about a week ago. Mr. Thomas Inman, whom your reporter can vouch for as a respectable farmer of unquestionable truth and veracity, related the circumstances to the writer and, with his son, who was also an eyewitness, is willing to make oath to the truth of this statement." One evening, about two weeks ago, while Mr. Inman and his son were returning to their home from Taylorsville, they saw a light, which they describe as looking like a burning brush pile near the zenith and descending rapidly towards the earth with a loud roaring noise. It struck the ground in the road a short distance from them. The blazing object flickered and flared for a few moments and then faded into darkness as a man, dressed in a complete suit of black and carrying a lantern, emerged from it. The man walked a few paces and stepped into a buggy which had not been observed before by either Mr. Inman or his son. There was no horse attached to this supernatural vehicle, But no sooner had the man taken his seat than it started to run, noiselessly, but with great velocity, along the highway. And this it continued to do until it reached a steep gully into which it plunged. Buggy, man, and lantern suddenly disappeared as mysteriously as they came. This phenomenon is certainly an extraordinary and unexplainable one and sounds more like the vagary of a crazed brain than anything else, but both Mr. Inman and his son, who are sober men and not given to superstitious notions, agree precisely in their statements and maintain that they are strictly true. If it was an optical delusion, superinduced by a meteor or jack-o'-lantern— Is it not strange that the same fancied appearances could be conjured up in the minds of two men at the same time?
2: Yeah, Mr. Taylor, we agree, that would be strange. So this guy is Taylor telling a story of Taylorsville. Was that the village founded by his ancestors, maybe? You
0: know, you may be right Speaking of guys wearing dark clothes, our third news report seems to be an encounter with the famous Men in Black. You may not know this, but the movie Men in Black is based on a centuries-old legend about shadowy men in dark suits who show up to threaten people who witness something that maybe they shouldn't have seen. John Keel, A journalist who went to the Ohio River in 1966 to report on those Mothman sightings thinks the men in black came to visit one of the people who ratted out the Mothman. Keel became obsessed with the sensational sightings of that gray-winged man-like creature, and it inspired him to write his famous book, later made into a Richard Gere movie, The Mothman Prophecies. I won't get into the Mothman details here because we did an entire episode about that, but here's something we didn't share. Connie Carpenter was a shy, studious 18-year-old woman who reported seeing the Mothman on her way home from church at 10.30 a.m. on a Sunday morning, November 27, 1966. Connie was traumatized by the incident, not only deeply disturbed by what she saw, but by the unwelcomed attention forced on her afterward. A few months after her Mothman encounter, Connie married Keith Gordon, and the couple moved from their home on the West Virginia side of the Ohio River to Middleport, a village in Meigs County, Ohio. They were trying so desperately to stay out of the spotlight they wouldn't even get a telephone. And then this happened. I'm reading from Kiel's later book called The Complete Guide to Mysterious Beings. At 8.15 a.m., February 27, 1967, Connie left her house to go to school. As she started to walk down the street, a large black car pulled up alongside her. She later identified it as a 1949 Buick. The occupant of the car opened the door and gestured to her to come over. Thinking that he was seeking directions, Connie approached him. He was a young, clean-cut man of about 25, wearing a colorful mod shirt, no jacket, it was bitter cold, and neatly combed hair and appeared to be suntanned. It was a very interesting detail. She said the car appeared to be brand new inside even though it was a vintage model. This detail has cropped up many times in our Men in Black cases. Some of these cars even smell new inside, according to various witnesses. When Connie reached the car, the man suddenly lunged and grabbed her arm, ordering her to get in with him. She fought back, and there was a brief struggle before she finally broke away. Connie remained indoors the following day, February 23rd. At 3 p.m., she heard someone on the porch, and there was a loud knock on the door. She went to it cautiously and found a note had been slipped under it. It was written in pencil, in block letters, on a piece of ordinary notebook paper. Be careful, girl, it read. I can get you yet. That night, Connie and Keith went to the local police. They turned the note over to Officer Raymond Manley. But neither the car nor the young man was seen again.
2: Okay, so this story I can easily believe. If they were harassing that poor
0: girl, there's no reason to doubt he was another stalker. I guess the only question is, was he just some guy in dark clothes or officially one of the men in black? For our fourth story tonight, we've got a straight-up alien encounter that made the news of many Ohio newspapers about half a century ago. A West Virginia sewing machine salesman traveling home from Marietta, Ohio, he even held a news conference and was interviewed by police and U.S. Air Force personnel. Here's the Wire story that made the rounds on November 4, 1966. A Mineral Wells, West Virginia man Thursday related the story of how he communicated with a man who climbed from an unidentified flying object Wednesday night along Interstate 77 near Parkersburg. Woodrow Derenberger, about 50, said he never believed in such stories. I thought they were all nutty. He said he communicated with the space visitor through thought communication— or mental telepathy. The only sound was a fluttering noise from the spaceship, which hung motionless overhead during the 10-15 to minute conversation. Derenberger said the visitor, who had the features of a human being, kept reassuring him he meant no harm. The encounter occurred about 7.25 p.m. as the salesman was en route from Marietta to his home near Mineral Wells. He said he was driving south when a car blinked its lights and passed him. Moments later, Derenberger noticed a dark object outside his pickup truck's side window. He said he first thought the dark gray object was a vehicle without lights. The salesman said the object passed his car, then turned sideways in the road some distance ahead of him. The object gradually decreased its speed, and since it was long enough to cover both southbound lanes and a portion of both berms, Derenberger was forced to stop his truck. He pulled to the side of the road. After he pulled off the road, the object stopped very near his truck, and a man dressed in bluish clothes climbed out. The object described as looking like an old kerosene lamp globe turned on its side, rose into the air, and stayed about 75 feet off the ground during the conversation. Derenberger said he left his truck lights on, and passing motorists probably thought he was just talking to a man who had been standing along the roadway. As the spaceman approached the truck, he told Derenberger to roll the windows down, that he just wanted to talk to him and meant him no harm. Through the conversation, the spaceman kept his arms folded with his hands under his armpits. Derenberger said the spaceman told him, Don't be afraid of me. I come from a country less powerful than yours. So, Steve, how would you like to be Earth's liaison to a friendly alien race.
2: Part of me thinks cool, part of me thinks I really don't need that headache. Do you know what happened to Derenberger after that though?
0: Well the man did report having many future visits from the aliens. He said they even brought their wives over to join him for coffee and once took him for a ride aboard their spaceship. He compiled all of his experiences into a book called Visitors from Lanulos.
2: Coffee visits and spaceship rides. You might have just pushed me over the edge.
0: Hey, don't ruin it for the rest of us.
2: And that's it for tonight, listeners. For photos, news clippings, and more on this and every episode, hop on over to our website, ohiomysteries.com.
0: And now, more about our featured musical artist of the night. Zach Friedhoff is a singer-songwriter from Akron, whose music is a blend of folk and soul. I love his profile on Facebook, where he identifies himself as a troubadour of peace, being the change I wish to see, trying to live from a place of love. It's been three years since we had Zach on our program, way too long. But he's got a brand new release out called Guideline. He said it was inspired by learning to deal with the grief of losing his mom last year. You, my dear listeners, are among the first to hear it right here. Zach is planning a listening party for the new record on October 28th at the Rialto Theater in Akron. So if you're in the area, get that on your calendar. Follow Zach on his Facebook page. That's Zach, F-R-I-E-D-H-O-F. And I'm sure he'll update his fans on the details when that event gets settled.
2: So we're going to leave you with the full version of Guideline by Zach Friedhoff. Enjoy, and we'll meet you here next week for another episode of Ohio Mysteries.
1: need to hang on. A lifetime of laughter, bright light of sun. My bones. Every dance, every flower, every spark.